2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of, of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. This is the word of the Lord. At this time, I'm going to call Elder Bill up. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we just thank you for um, just your word. It teaches us so much. I'm just asking, Father, that um, you'll help us to, to, to let the word affect us, that we confess any sins that we might have. Um, it's been a long week. I'm sure you know that I've committed some sins, uh, uh, plural. And I'm sure many of us here have done so, too. We ask that we confess our sins before you and let the Spirit um, control our lives. Help us as we look into your word and let the Holy Spirit teach us. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, what I'm going to do, let me tell you what I'm going to do this evening. We're going to talk about comfort and affliction. Comfort and affliction. Um, so what, we, what happened um, since we started uh, Joint Heirs, We've talked about uh, unity. The first message was on unity a few weeks ago. Uh, unity in the church. Uh, and I, I suspect that it's not just unity in a local church, but unity also in a universal church. Um, then we talked about division, you know, um, how people don't get along. Uh, we talked about service. Last week we talked about service in the church. Um, and again, locally as well as uh, in the universal church. So today we're going to talk about comfort. Uh, the passage I was just read talks about comfort. Um, so what I want to do, this is what I plan to do this evening. Uh, I got a little bit of time with you, and I appreciate the uh, opportunity to, to, you know, to have studied about this. And um, so what I want to do is, uh, the main passage today was 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. Uh, we just had a read. Um, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down, I'm going to look at a few pa other passages to give us some more understanding uh, of uh, this idea of comfort and affliction. Um, in affliction, there's uh, uh, some um, other verses I wanted to look at. Uh, and so what I'm going to do, not only in affliction, but also comfort, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick a few guys. I'm just going to do randomly. I didn't prepare anybody. I didn't warn anybody. So, so uh, it's sort of a little bit of a tool that you have to pay attention, you know, so you can't fall asleep. Uh, so the, the gals get a pass on this one, but the guys don't, you know. So, so uh, John Louis got a microphone, and um, so when I, I'm going to announce the passage, I'm going to ask somebody to read it, okay? And he's going to go there and give you the microphone, and you're going to read it, okay? So, so, you know, I need all the help I can get, you know, to keep everybody's attention. So, um, so the affliction passages, the affliction passages, um, it's going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 to 33. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 to 33. We're going to be looking at that as we go along. That talks about Paul's sufferings, okay? Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that when we get there. Another passage we're going to look at uh, on affliction is 1 Peter 4, 12 to 16. 1 Peter 4, 12 to 16. And I'll repeat this many times, okay? So, so, so um, some, you know, you'll, you'll be able to uh, get to it and read it. On comfort. Comfort, okay? First um, Thessalonians 2, verse 17 to chapter 3, verse 7. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 to chapter 3, verse 7. 
So that's when Paul is comforted by Timothy's report. Uh, you'll see what it is uh, when, when, when it's read. Okay, and another passage for uncomfort is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Uh, and that's when Paul comforts the Thessalonians, Thessalonians uh, concerning death. Okay, uh, and, that, um, and then there's a, a third passage on comfort I wanted us to look at. John chapter 11, verses 11 to 45. And that's Jesus and Lazarus. Jesus and Lazarus. John 11, verses 11 to 45. And then finally, the last passage I'll have us uh, uh, look at in addition to you know, our main passage was Job chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. And also Job 13, 5. So it's Job chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. And then Job chapter 13, verse 5. talks about Job and his three friends. Okay, so th those are the passages we're going to kind of run through uh, in addition to the main passage. Uh, so when we get there, we'll, we'll do that. And then after that, after that, I want to give some examples of affliction and comfort uh, with people that um, live today, okay? Uh, I think everybody I'm going to talk about is still alive today, okay? And there are people that you probably know. If you don't know them, you know of somebody who knows them. Uh, and so I'm going to talk about that because that will actually bring the biblical passages and the principles and observations into focus so that you actually see that these things actually happened. People have lived, these, um, lived out these afflictions or similar type afflictions and, uh, and they've, they've lived through, uh, they've been comforted or other people have comforted them. And so we kind of get an idea how it actually plays out. Um, and, and so, so um, it was really a great privilege for me to think about it. Uh, in fact, in fact um, um, when, I, when I was looking at the passages, um, I could see that there's people in this church and people in the universal church that, that uh, I've had the privilege of getting to know that have actually applied these things. They've actually lived it out. And, uh, um, and I think that's a, a valuable thing for uh, those of us who... Um, who, you know, um, come up with these situations. So let me let me go ahead and give you some definitions. Okay, let me give you some definitions um, about uh, uh, you know that first passage. Um, John, do you mind reading that passage again? That, that main passage, the Second Corinthians chapter one, verse uh, thirty-seven. Second Corinthians chapter one three to seven. Blessed be the blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the suffering of for just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is, uh, is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also your shares of our comfort. Okay, so um, the Corinthians, uh, that's, a, that's a church that we can identify with. It's a church that has a lot of trouble. Um, Paul actually had a lot of experiences with them. He actually started the church. Uh, he spent 18 months with them to get the church established. Um, and Corinth is a city that um, um, wealthy, immoral, um, it's a, it, was, uh, it, it actually sat on an isthmus between uh, the Peloponnese. It's a southern peninsula. Well, now, now it's almost like an island because uh, they actually cut the canal through uh, in Greece. Okay? And, and it was a place where um, the, uh, pretty much every, anything goes. It was a trade seaport. Kind of reminds me of San Francisco a little bit. Um, and uh, they actually had um, the Acro Corinth, you know, so like a mountain way up high, and uh, there was a temple up there, a temple dedicated to Aphrodite, and um, 
uh, the temple prostitutes that would come down and service the sailors that came through. Um, and um, uh, that was part of their worship. This is type of, the type of uh, background that uh, the Corinthian church, uh, uh, you know, the Corinthian believers had to deal with. So Paul actually wrote four letters um, to the Corinthians. Um, he wrote a, uh, a letter they called the lost letter, um, uh, to trying to, you know, help them out, uh, giving them more advice and things. Uh, and then then, then um, he wrote the first Corinthians, book of first Corinthians. Then he wrote a, uh, a, uh, another letter that uh, was very, um, uh, how should I say, tough, real, real hard, a severe letter, they called it. And then after that, uh, he wrote second Corinthians. Um, so, so he spent a lot of time with them. Uh, he put a lot of effort into the Corinthians. And so that's kind of like a little bit of overview of the Corinthians and the Corinthian church. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he cared a lot about them. He cared a lot about the Corinthians. He spent a lot of time with them, and, and uh, you know, he, he knew that, that they were having a tough time. They had to deal with uh, a lot of the cultural problems, uh, and, uh, uh, and they were, you know, if you live in that environment, uh, um, you know, you can, you know, there's problems, there are problems and afflictions. So the, the main passage that we just looked at has to do with... Um, uh, you know, kind of the, the problems that the Corinthians faced and how um, they should uh, deal with it, okay? So let's take a look uh, real at uh, verses 3 and 4. If you have your Bibles, please follow along, okay? Verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Um, let me give you some definitions. Okay, comfort is actually the word paraclesis. Paraclesis. It means encouragement, consolation, comfort. It can mean an earnest request. That's the noun version. The um, verb is parakaleo. Uh, it means uh, ask for earnestly, beg, plead, invite. Okay, that's the word comfort. Okay, because that's the first word that you know, kind of jumps out at you, comfort. Affliction. Okay, affliction. The noun is um, thlipsis. I can't even pronounce it. T h l i p s i s means trouble, distress, oppression, tribulation. Uh, the verb form is um, similar, thliplini or thlipo. It means crowd against, press upon, hard pressed, harassed, or cause trouble to. So, so it's like an oppression. You feel this. Oh, this is heavy weight on you. Um, uh, what's going on is you feel troubled, you feel pressured, you feel harassed. Um, it's, it's, it's not going well for you. So the whole idea of comfort and affliction, the comfort, the word paracle, um, you know, paraclesis, sounds like the word for Holy Spirit, right? The paraclete, paraclete. So, so the concept is that... Um, uh, you encourage, when you're comforting somebody, you, you encourage them, okay? You're, you're encouraging them while they're hard-pressed, okay? So, so it's that kind of a main, kind of a big concept, all right? Um, so I think um, when we, when we uh, look at that, when we look at the Holy Spirit, he calls the paraclete, he's one who comes alongside to help. So that, same, that concept was also um, rode into this idea of comfort and affliction. So somebody's in trouble, they're hard-pressed, you're going to come alongside them and, uh, to help them, okay? And you're going to encourage them. Okay, so um, that's, that's kind of the thought that's behind the concept of, uh, of um, your um, comfort and affliction. Okay, so you're, 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 in, you're, in, you're in trouble. Uh, let's look at verse 5. Um, it says, for just as the suffering of, sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Okay, and then I'm going to go on to six also. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. The concept here is the, the idea that he's talking about believers, okay? And um, he's saying that, you know, I... You know, I'm going through all this, this hard stuff and the, these pressures and all that, hopefully so that you will not have to go through it so much yourself. And also our comfort, when we have this um, encouragement, ultimately it comes from God. 
ultimately comes from God, but we are the instruments of it, okay? Everybody in here is an instrument for, for God to, you, to help you to comfort somebody else. Okay, that, that's, uh, so the boundary is that, is that everybody here uh, is a believer, has a role in comforting somebody when somebody else, when it, well, somebody. Um, when I say somebody, it could be a believer or an unbeliever, but in this context, it's talking with believers. So that is, and then uh, in verse 7, Paul's hope for the Corinthians is firmly grounded. And MacArthur kind of says it this way. The Corinthian believers demonstrated the reality of their faith by their willingness to share Paul and Timothy's sufferings for the gospel. And then it goes on. Also, they were sharers of the same comfort with which God comforted Paul and Timothy. Okay, so that's kind of the overall view. That's the main um, passage that, um, that we're looking at. Let's try to get a little bit of an overall view. So what I want to do now, I want to look at a few other passages to give us some more insight into this concept of affliction and, um, and uh, uh, comfort. Um, I know if you're following along, you're already thinking. You're already thinking. What type of afflictions am I going through? Or have I gone through? Uh, there's room this size, this many people in here. There's at least one person in here that's going through some hard times, okay? Something's going on. Uh, uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that. This is not the venue for it. Um, and uh, there's somebody in here, I'm sure, that's working to comfort somebody that's going through those hard times. Okay, so, so uh, when we look at the biblical illustrations, I think that will give us a little more idea of it. Um, we might be doing it already, but uh, maybe, you know, maybe looking at the Bible will give us a little more insight, a little, make us a little bit better at it. Um, um, there's a lot of passages on a comfort and affliction. I went through a lot of them. I had, had a, it was fun for me to do it, and very educational, but I, I realized I have to pare it down. So we're going to go ahead and do that. Um, so that first passage, uh, I'm going to have somebody read this. Um, Hmm. Justin, is that, is that all right, Justin? Um, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 33. Okay. You said chapter 11, 23 to 33? Yes, please. Okay. okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 33. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without numbers, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, Dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure of me, of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the internarch under Aretas, the king, was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. And I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and so escaped his hands. Okay, so what Paul was doing here is he's just kind of um, enumerating all the hard times he's already been through. And, and, and so he did this um, in, in his ministry. Um, as we look at some of the other verses, there's more to it. It's not just the ministry, but it's also um, not just the ministry, but also as we live godly lives. Okay, so so what happens is um, as we are, are as believers, we're gonna we're gonna go through afflictions. It's gonna it's, it's just inevitable. Okay, um, but Paul is just enumerating it. He's you know just saying because uh, he's defending himself in, in Second Corinthians. Uh, against accusations that he wasn't a real apostle and all that type of stuff. Um, so um, let's take a look at Second um, Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. I'm going to ask Corey, do you mind reading that? 
uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am con- uh, content with weaknesses, insults, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay, so so Paul's kind of telling again one of one of his afflictions. Um, you know, a lot of the scholars would think that that was it had to do with his eyesight. We don't, you know, we don't know for sure. Um, but the point being, this affliction was lifelong. Okay, it was lifelong. Not only did did he go through a lot of a lot of, you know, shipwrecks, stoning, beatings, and all that stuff. But he had an affliction that was lifelong, okay? It's, it's with him, you know, till he dies, okay? He, it's something that, so, so that tells you something about affliction. It could be temporary. It could be lifelong, you know? It, it's going to stay with you until you leave this earth, okay? Or it could be it's just a little while. And um, uh, that, that's, that's one of the things about the nature of affliction that, that uh, I wanted to point out. Um, Another passage I want to take a look at is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 16. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, verses 12 to 16. Um, let me see. Uh, how about, how about uh, Tony? Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials when it comes up upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you, um, you snare Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God's rest is upon you. But let no one, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory or glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will we be what will be the outcome? For those who do not obey the gospel of God. Thanks, Tony. That's great. Um, so, so the passage kind of points out a few things. Okay, more Peter's saying, "Don't be surprised." Okay, you're gonna be, there's gonna be affliction in your life. Okay, you're gonna have, there's gonna be trouble. Trouble that may be hard. You may be hard pressed. You're gonna it's gonna it's gonna be hard. But he also points out something else. Another observation that uh, we should keep in mind about affliction. Sometimes we have trouble because God's disciplining us. God is disciplining us. Sometimes we're, we're having trouble because we're in sin, and uh, it's chastisement, okay? So, um, uh, you know, there's, it's, there's a little bit of difference in that. Um, God w- can use uh, difficult things in your life to bring you around, okay, to, 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 because, because of sin, okay? Other times, you know, there's, there's going to be, you know, affliction and, and all that because it's what God is letting you go through, okay, to, to, for, for various reasons. Um, and and uh, we'll go on and keep on looking, keep on looking at some of these other passages and see what else we can learn. Uh, I wanted to go into comfort, okay? We're going to comfort. So, so let's take a look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 to chapter 3, verse 8. Okay. How about Stan? Thessalonians 2, Seven, verse 17 to chapter 3, verse 8. Sorry, what? what? Oh, I'm sorry. First Thessalonians chapter 2 uh-huh. to chapter 3, verse 8. Two, three. Okay. 
First Thessalonians chapter two, starting with verse seventeen. Seventeen, yeah. All right. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager, with great desire, to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, yet Satan, uh, and yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope? or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we would endure it no longer, we thought it best to, to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For we indeed, or for indeed when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction, and so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith to fear that the tempter might have been tempt, might have tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and has brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us, just as we long to see you, for this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. Okay, so what do we learn from here? We learned that, so Timothy loves the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians were, uh, is a model church, and uh, he missed them a lot. And uh, uh, for various reasons why he had to be separated from them. And uh, so he had sent Timothy to comfort them, because he knew they, were going, they also were going through persecution uh, from from you know uh, the uh, non-believers in, in in Thessalonica, and um, so he sent Timothy to, to comfort them, and he was worried about that. Uh, and he comes back, and and guess what? So what happens? He's comforted by them because of how they are responding to their um, to the uh, um, to the uh, uh, persecution that they're going through. So so what? So, so the idea being, when we're our roles can change just like that. We can be both comforter as well as the afflicted ones, okay? It, goes, it works both, both ways. Um, so I want to look to the next passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. Let's see. Edwin, do you mind reading that? 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 to 18. Um, yeah, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. But we do not want you to sleep, that you may not grieve as others do, but have who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the voice and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Right. And another version would say, comfort one another with these words. Okay. So, so uh, that, that's just as much a part of living, right? Death. Uh, and, uh, and we comfort one another with hope, okay, with the promises of God. And that's what that passage uh, um, kind of uh, points us towards. Um, in a little while, uh, when I give the so-called real-life examples, um, death plays a big part in that. Okay, death plays a big part in that. Uh, let's look at John 11, 11, uh, John chapter 11, verse 11 to um, uh, 
let me see. Uh, let me take a look. I'm sorry. I miswrote this myself. We'll start with John chapter 11. Let me see. Who can we get to asked to read this? Um, Zach, do you mind? This has to do with Lazarus. Um, it's, it's a long passage, so we'll just be patient about that. But I think it's definitely worth looking at because this is Jesus, right? This is Jesus. Is that eleven eleven? Um, let me take a look. Yeah, let me let me. I'm sorry. I think I miswrote this. I was. Uh, let me let me let me double check that for you. Right. It starts with chapter uh, chapter eleven, verse eleven, and just keep reading. And I'll tell you when to stop. <laughs> okay. Eleven, eleven. Um, this he said, and after that he said to them, um, "My friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep." The disciples then said to him, "Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover." Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, "Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there." so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I, knew th I know that you always hear me. But because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, "Unbind him and let him go." Therefore, many of the Jews who came to many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw that he had, and saw what he had done believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had that's, done. That's great. Thanks. Okay, I want to point out a few things. This is a familiar story to to, to a lot of you. Um, but you understand, 
there's a few things that um, sometimes we, we don't pay attention to. One thing is, of course, Jesus physically went there. Okay, He took the trouble to go to visit with uh, Martha and Mary. The other thing that, uh, um, that happened was Mary and Martha both said to Jesus, if you had been here, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. That speaks a little bit about how they're feeling, right? There's a point there. When we're comforting somebody, sometimes the person we're comforting, the person who is afflicted, who's hard-pressed, who feels the pressure of the trouble that they're in, they may not respond very politely to you, okay? Um, you expect it. They're, 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 they're grieving. And if you're the comforter and you're giving comfort to somebody, don't be surprised, okay? Jesus, didn't, Jesus wasn't offended, was he? He just did his thing, you know? He, 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 he still was a comforter, okay? Um, so that, that, that's, you know, that's something that um, I've read it so many times. I never picked that up before. But, but, uh, but that's actually a pretty common thing, okay? The person you're comforting, the person who's afflicted, may not respond uh, uh, real nice to you, okay? You, you took all that trouble to go there and visit with them, and they may be nasty, okay? They might be nasty. But we'll, we'll see, we're, we're going to get closer to that when we actually see some real things. Oh, not real things. These are real things, but how should I say? Things are closer to our time. Um, let's take a look at um, the, last, uh, the last one I wanted to turn us towards. Um, Job chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. Uh, Wilson, do you mind reading that? Job chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. Job chapter 2, 11, 13. Now when Job, three friends, heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place. Um, Elphasaz, uh, the Temanite, uh, Bilidad, the Shuhuhite, and Zophar, the Namanite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept. And they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads towards heaven. And one more verse, please. Oh. <clears throat> and when they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. And I'm going to ask Chris Luau, who's sitting right next to you, if he would read Job chapter 13, verse 5. And then I'm going to talk about this for a moment. Job 13, 5. Uh, <clears throat> Job 13, 5. Uh, oh, that you would be completely silent and that it would become your wisdom. Okay. It's a little bit of a joke there. Um, you see that uh, the, uh, the three friends of Job, I mean, they did really great in the first, first reading that Wilson read, okay? They, made it, they heard about Job's problems, that he lost his children, lost his wealth, lost his health, you know, lost his family. And, um, and they, you know, they heard about it and said, you know what, let's travel. We'll make an appointment. And that's pretty deliberate, very intentional, right? Very intentional. We're going to make an appointment. We're going we're gonna to get together, and we're going to uh, sympathize with him and comfort him. So they all get together. They meet together, and they didn't even recognize Job. You know, I mean, he looks bad. So, so when they tear their robes and throw ashes over themselves, that's a sign of, of mourning. Okay, that's a sign of mourning. And then they just sat there for seven days, right? Seven days they just sat with him, didn't say a word. Um, and they're just, you know, uh, giving him a message. Hey, we're, we're here with you. We're here with you. But what uh, Chris Luau just read uh, about them, uh, that, was, that was Job speaking, saying... Uh, Oh, that you would be completely silent, and it, it would become your wisdom. Once they started talking, it went bad. It went downhill. I was listening to J. Vernon McGee this week, um, um, and uh, he's actually preaching through Job. And um, he said, 
They were great in, they were great in, in, um, in, in uh, chapter 2, but once they opened their mouths, everything went downhill, okay? They, they were not comforting uh, Job at that point because of what the things that they said. And, of course, you're already thinking, how can I apply this? How can I apply this? Um, so I'm going to give some observations. Um, and after I give the observations, then I'm going to go into some, some examples. All right? The observations that from, some, from some of the passages that we just read. Okay, affliction for believers is to be expected in the course of godly living and ministry. Affliction for believers is to be expected in the course of godly living and ministry. Comfort, number two. Comfort ultimately comes from God. The Holy Spirit working in your life and also God's word, the Bible. Okay? And we as believers, fellow believers, are instruments of that. Okay? That's, uh, and then another point, that was uh, point number three. Believers are instruments of God in comforting one another. Um, number four, comfort is done by encouragement. Comfort is done by encouragement. It could be physical, emotional, could be speech, um, and ultimately it's all driven by love. It's all driven by love. Um, uh, and um, uh, when you're talking to somebody who's in, in a state of affliction and they're in trouble, you want to give them hope. Okay, give them hope. Uh, I was talking to Grace, uh, Grace Lee uh, this week because I asked for permission to, to, to tell one of the stories I'm going to tell in a few minutes. Um, and uh, she said that uh, one of the passages she uses is um, uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, and the context around it speaks of hope. When you're hard-pressed and you're, you're going through this really tough time, um, it, you want to hear something that's hopeful, okay? The last thing you want to hear is, is accusations. Uh, you know, you, you're suffering here because you have some hidden sin. Uh, well, the person who's comforting you may or may, may not know that. You don't, they don't know. You don't know for sure. Um, sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's because of sin. Um, but, uh, you know, you want to give hope to somebody, okay? If you don't know for sure that it's sin, uh, you, you know, your, your, your default setting should be giving hope, not, not to uh, um, just tear somebody apart, you know, and, and you don't really even know that. Um, comfort takes place within a church. Locally, of course, that's primarily uh, what's going to happen, but also the universal church. Other believers that you know, uh, they may not necessarily be in your, your, um, your, uh, uh, your personal, you know, the church that you go to regularly. Um, another observation from the passages that we just read, non-believers are watching, okay? Non-believers are watching. Uh, they show comfort. When, they, when we're showing comfort to one another during the times of affliction, it displays or testifies of God, okay? They're watching, you know? What's your support system? Wow, you know, the people that, that you go to church with, boy, they're really good at uh, helping you out as you're getting through the, going through this hard time, okay? So, so that's, that's another observation. Um, and then another observation, um, afflictions can be temporary or lifelong, okay? I, we, we talked about that a little while ago. And I also mentioned that afflicted, the afflicted, afflicted individuals might respond poorly. And, um, you know, the com comforter is motivated by love. And uh, remember um, the, um, when Vincent Wong was here, when we had that um, uh, retreat a few weeks ago, for those of you uh, who went, the ETCers, um, remember there was a phrase that kind of stuck with me that he said. Um, he said, friendship costs. Remember, did he say that? He did say that, right? Remember that? That friendship costs. So you're going to do some comforting. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. It might take some abuse from your uh, afflicted person. Uh, you know, it cost you a little bit of money. You know, you got to travel. You know, you got to talk to them. Um, so, so those are some of the biblical uh, passages I wanted to, to run us through. And so we have a few minutes. I still have a few minutes. It looks like 15 minutes I got. So I want to tell you some stories. Okay, I've been at this church for a long time, um, and uh, um, so I've seen a lot of people come, in, come, come through this church, and uh, one person I wanted to bring up, because I, I think you should know about him, is Pastor Charles Chan. Anybody know who he is? Who's Pastor Charles Chan? Anybody know? Does anybody know who Pastor? Raise your hand. Okay, only a few people know who Pastor Charles Chan is. He's a retired Cantonese department pastor of San Francisco Bible Church. He's retired. Let me tell you about him. 
Let me tell you about him. He was orphaned during World War II. Um, what happened was uh, there was a bombing in the village that he lived in, and it killed everybody in his family except him and his brother. He survived the bombing. Okay, so, so he doesn't even know how old he is. If you ask him how old he is, he doesn't know because the records are all destroyed. And uh, his family, his parents, everybody, they were all killed. So he doesn't know how old he is. He doesn't know his birthday. They are approximate. Not even sure how, exactly how old he was when, when he was orphaned. So later on, he was raised by a missionary. Uh, uh, so uh, there were missionaries. That, um, there was a woman missionary that was in China at the time. And he, he was raised in a, uh, by missionaries. And, uh, you know, he, became, he was a believer, became a believer. And then he escaped communist China by swimming. I think he swam, I think he swam to Macau, you know. Um, so he swam through the Pearl River Delta, you know. And um, they made a movie about him, an uh, evangelistic movie about him, okay. If you ever see him, you should talk to him, I tell you. Uh, and and, and then, then he moved to the United States after... Um, after pastoring a church, uh, maybe even more than one church, I'm not sure, uh, in Hong Kong. And the other thing he was doing is he was doing translation uh, of um, uh, um, trans translating, I guess, Greek and Hebrew into uh, Chinese for a uh, Bible, okay? So he did translation work. And he, he came to San Francisco Baba Church um, and pastored here for many years. It was a lot of difficult times, but he kind of stuck to the Cantonese department side. And he trained and mentored a lot of the Cantonese elders. If you, uh, a lot of the elders that we have um, uh, from the Cantonese department, he actually spent a lot of time with them. He just worked with them. While he was here in San Francisco Bible Church uh, during his ministry, um, his wife died. Okay, she had, uh, uh, um, I think it was throat cancer or nose cancer, nose cancer. And at that time, you know, you know who Apple Sam is, Sam Chan. Yeah. So, um, so I think, I think he was. I don't even know if he was in college yet. No, yeah, he was in college. I think he was in college at that time. So, so, and Sam's the oldest one. So, so, the, so the children um, were left without a mom, and Pastor Chan, you know, carried on his ministry. And so, you could say that he lived a life of, of a lot of trouble. He went through a lot of trouble. Uh, of course, uh, there was one story he told when when he was um, an orphan, when he was newly orphaned. He didn't have any food, so he would steal food from um, vendors. And, and, uh, and, and if you look at Pastor Chan, he kind of look kind of he looks kind of hunched over sometimes. Uh, he would steal the food and let the, the shopkeeper beat him while he's eating the food. You know, so um, uh, you know, pretty hard life. He went through some hard times. I bring that up to tell you that he's a man who went through a lot of afflictions, a lot of trouble in his life. And I could tell you there's one instance where he actually comforted me. Um, uh, so, so we had a, um, and I think he could comfort me because he had seen so much and gone through so much. And uh, the circumstances, uh, it was, we, you know, the elders were being, uh, basically we were all being attacked. We got, we got these letters accusing us of uh, being her heretics and uh, cowards and uh, all kinds of bad stuff, okay? And, uh, and so I, I talked to him about it and, and uh, you know, in his wisdom and in his experiences of being afflicted, he kind of, you know, he gave me some good advice. You know, and uh, um, uh, so, so was, he was a comfort to me. And I think it's just as in the main passage that we talked about. If you've been afflicted, it doesn't have to be one for one affliction. It doesn't have to be exact affliction. But I, I think he's been through that, being accused of uh, heres being a heretic and being uh, all kinds of all kinds of bad stuff. Um, I'm sure he went through all that, that he can offer comfort to, to somebody who um, is going through the same thing. Um, so that's Pastor Charles Chan. Um, I wanted to talk about um, a few other people. Um, I want to talk about Ida and Victor. Ida and Victor. Anybody know them? Nobody knows them. Nobody remembers Anybody know Andrew Jin? Who knows Andrew Jin? Raise your hand. Do you know Andrew Jin? Okay, most of you know Andrew Jin. Uh, he's not here tonight. I don't know who, you know, I think he has to work or something. Um, he's Andrew Jin's aunt. Uh, uh, Ida is Andrew Jin's aunt. Um, 
Oh, there's another way I can, I can identify her for you. Anybody here run on Saturday mornings with the running group? Nobody. Oh, way back there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, yeah. One person. Um, the running group was started at, sort of because of this story I'm about to tell you. Okay. Ida grew up in San Francisco Bible Church. She is Rhoda's, Rhoda, Wong's, Rhoda Wong Jin's sister. Anybody know Rhoda? Who knows Rhoda? Okay. It's Ida is... Rhoda's sister, okay, baby sister. She's the youngest one. Um, she grew up at SFBC. Oh, she's the sweetest girl. I mean, she's just sweet, sweet all the way through. Um, and um, she married Victor, Victor Wong. Um, so she didn't even have to change her name, you know, Wong and Wong. That was great, you know. Um, it, it matters if you have luggage and, you know, you have, you know, the little stickers on it. You know, you just kind of, you know, you don't even have to change your name. It makes a lot of difference if you have a diploma, too. You know, you don't you have to, driver's license, you know, the whole bit. You know, you don't even have to change anything. So anyway, she married Victor. I remember she said to me, uh, she had been dating, Vic, Victor was dating her for forever. And one day, I was just talking to her, and she said to me, I'm just waiting for him to ask the question, you know. I've been, you know, I said, oh, okay. Well, anyway, I didn't. Anyway, I didn't, uh, I, I, I have no role in this. Anyway, not too long after that, he did ask the question and they got married. Um, but she got sick with lymphoma. Um, uh, I, I remember that very vividly. Um, and uh, so, so uh, a hint for those of you guys who know this or don't know this. If you have numbness on both sides of your body, there is something wrong, okay? If you're numb on one side, it might not be that much, right? Physical therapists and nurses and docs in here, right? But if you're numb on both sides, there's definitely something wrong, okay? All right? All right? Yeah? Because what happened? She had a tumor, and lymphoma was growing on the back of her neck, right on the neck. Uh, and um, it wasn't picked up for a long time. Uh, by, the, by the time they picked it up, um, it was, they picked it up because she had to go to the emergency room. She couldn't move. So Victor took her there. And... Um, and he took a leave of absence from work, and um, and uh, he um, uh, you know, took care of her, you know. And uh, the, I remember visiting, and uh, she, um, you know, she was uh, they, had, they they got a hospital bed inside inside their apartment, and um, you know, later on, then she died. Okay, she died. It took a long time. It took a while. In the meantime, a lot of the people in the church uh, were helping her out. She was uh, late twenties, early thirties. I think early thirties maybe 31, 32, something like that. That's the age of some of you guys here, all right? So it can happen, all right? I don't want to scare you, but it can happen. Uh, and it was very impactful for, for that whole generation um, because we all saw it and we were all, you know. And um, what happened, I talked to um, her dad before her dad became a, a Christian. Um, and her dad said to me, you know, the people at your at, at the church are so good. They're, they're, I don't even know what people did. And I, and people were quite quiet about it. They would, they would support her in so many different ways. And so her, her father was, was uh, so impressed with, with, with the people at this church, that how they were helping, helping uh, Ida out in, in all these different ways. Uh, you know, meals, um, helping her go to the doctor, um, you, know, um, you know, just supporting her with words of encouragement. And um, one of the sweetest things I heard about Ida, and it just fits her personality, you know, having grown up here and, and, and you know, just taking in the word of God and serving. Um, I heard from, uh, as I recall, it was Victor who told me, and I think Rhoda told me, uh, and the family told me, she never uttered a word of complaint not one word of complaint all that time when she was sick. And, um, and, and those of you who may know, you know, when you're dying, it hurts. There's pain, okay? As different parts of your body are dying, it sends signals to your brain, right? Telling there's something wrong. And what's the signal? It's pain, right? And all that time, she never complained. Uh, when I visited her, uh, I think about last time, um, uh, you know, in that hospital bed, she couldn't move. Basically, she was paralyzed. I think, Kathy, you were with me, right, when, you, when I went in? When, uh, anyway, uh, I don't remember if Kathy was with me, but, uh, but it, was, um, it was really something. But the family was, was very impressed with, with 
the support that she got from San Francisco Bible Church, from, from individuals. Now, it wasn't a formal program, just people going there and visiting with her. The second half of the story, and some of you may have heard this before, is that I, I talked to Victor. Uh, you know, Victor never threw anything away that belonged to Ida. He never took off his wedding ring after she passed. Um, and um, she, he never, you know, everything. He just kept everything, you know. So for a guy who took a long time to ask her to marry him, after she passed, you know, he was just absolutely loyal to her. She, he never, you know, never dated another girl. I, I know that I talked to both, both parents, both sets of parents, and they said, we asked Victor to, it's okay, you know, we told Victor, why don't you, you know, start dating again, you know, or, or that, he wouldn't do it. So um, then, uh, uh, it was about five years ago, five, six years ago, he, he said to me, uh, this is over at 498 Funston, we were in the back of the sanctuary there, and he said to me, you know, I, I'm, I'm sick, you know, and uh, I, I've been feeling really bad. So, you know, so he's going to the doctors, and doctors are going to, and uh, finally, you know, he did tell me he was diagnosed with the same disease that um, Ida had. He had lymphoma. And he was told that he had that same disease in the same room that, um, that, uh, uh, that Ida died in. Because um, he went to CPMC, and he was in the same room, same exam room that she, uh, she had died in that room, as I recall. That's what he was telling me. And uh, so... so um, so then, uh, not too long after that, he, you know, he died. Um, in between all that time, and what, what are the odds, right? To die of the same disease that's not a communicable disease. And, and you did to told that in the same room that your wife died in. Um, you know, uh, I think at that time, he's probably in early 50s um, when he died. Um, so it was many years after his wife died. Uh, but, uh, you know, but, but that was God's plan. Uh, and I'm not sure why, but... Uh, but the way that we went through all that, and he, um, he was very, how should I say, a quiet server in our church, uh, in this church. Uh, he was the one that left, he was a real good baker. A lot of people didn't know that. Why? Because he would bake these cookies and leave them out in the kitchen, and, and they'd be gone, right? Everybody ate them all up. Uh, so he was a quiet server. He was uh, trained as an accountant, but he actually worked as a locksmith. And uh, so he helped a lot of us fix our locks and stuff like that. And, you know, never said anything about it. Um, and uh, if you still have a key from 498, shame on you if you do. But if you still do, he was the one that keyed it, okay? Um, and, and, um, and, and, you know, a lot of people actually served him, too, that comforted him, even as he went through this being a widower uh, all those years, uh, helped him get jobs uh, and... Um, um, you know, and the same thing. It was a witness to the family. So that was Victor and Ida. Uh, I got a couple more minutes. I just want to tell you a couple more stories. One has to do with me. Um, my father died June 19th, five years ago. So it just passed, just a few, few days ago. And, and my father was sick. He was sick for, for quite a you know, for quite a few years before he died, it, uh, uh, dementia and senile dementia, and then he had heart problems. Um, and and uh, it was announced because my father was a, a was a Christian. He came to this church, and it was announced in a bulletin and stuff like that. Uh, so one day after those announcements, Marsha, remember Marsha? You know, he, she left our church uh, for another church, but but I always remember this because uh, I was really down. I felt really bad. You know, I was really bad with with what's going on with my father. So Marsha just came up to me. And I don't know Marsha real well. We're not buds, you know? We're not. Uh, but she came up to me, and she said, she just said, you know, less than three minutes, she just said something to me. And you know what? I don't even remember what she said. But what she said was so comforting. Uh, she just knew just the right thing to say. And, and I felt so much better um, uh, just because of what she said to encourage me, even as we were going through my father's illness. And uh, I still remember, you know, she, it was right moment, right time, just at that moment, she, she said something that uh, was so uplifting to me. And, um, um, you know, uh, I, I was joking a little bit about the book of Job. Sometimes it's better to keep your mouth shut, but other times, if you have, you know, can say something that's hopeful, you know, it only takes a moment, and you can uplift somebody for, for weeks or months, you know, and, and she had it, she did it. And, I, you know, I still remember it. And uh, 
Um, you know, that's why I always have a soft spot, soft spot for Marsha, you know, uh, even though she doesn't know it. <laughs> I told her, but she doesn't remember it. <laughs> She's like, oh, that guy, you got to stay away from him. So the last story I want to tell you before we close up um, has to do with Nadine and Derek, Chris and Matt, and Cheryl and Hi. Anybody know any of those people? Can you raise your hand if you know them? Okay, thanks. So some of, many of you know them. Nadine and Derek had a daughter, has a daughter, they have a daughter who has a, a, a birth defect with a heart. Okay, uh, and when, when they found out um, before the baby was born, they actually sent out emails. Uh, Nadine was really good about this. She was to send out kind of like a progress report as to what's going on with, with, their, with their baby. Uh, new, well, before you, I think even before she was born. Um, uh, how, you can, how you pronounce this? Tetralogy of Fallot, right? Or Fallot? You know, four things wrong with the heart, right? Um, and um, uh, usually, the, uh, without treatment, of course, they usually, the babies usually die uh, very early. Um, so, so they went through that. So Chris and Matt, Chris is my daughter, okay? Uh, they have a son, um, and uh, before the baby was born, the son is now two years old, before the baby was born, they found out that he had Tetralogy of Fallot. Same thing, four things wrong with the heart. Uh, and uh, uh, he would um, you know, have to go through that. So when they found out, you know, the word got around. Uh, I think they, they did ask Derek and Nadine about it. You know, and, and of course, Derek and Nadine, they were very quiet about it. They didn't, I found out about this much later. They, they dropped everything. They went over and visited with, with Chris and Matt, told them what they went through, encouraged them. Uh, you know, gave them hit pointers and just uplifted them, even as they're, you know, saying, oh, this baby, you know, our baby is going to, you know, short life expectancy, all these things, who knows what else can be wrong, you know, and, uh, and so Derek and Nadine did that for, for Chris and Matt. Um, so then, now we talk about Cheryl and High, okay? Uh, Cheryl and High, uh, Cheryl's uh, mother is uh, Grace Lee and then her father is Albert Lee. Um, so that's the connection. That's why I asked Grace about, about that. Um, and um, Cheryl and Hai have a son um, just born. And he has Tetralogy of Fallot plus other syndrome. Uh, and uh, many, many things wrong. Uh, and, and again, they found out about it you know, not too long you know, before the baby was born. Um, so they did talk to Chris and Matt about it. And, and Chris and Matt you know, went over and visited with them. I didn't find out. My daughter doesn't tell me anything, you know, or very little. So, so that's what happens when you have adult children. Oh, oh, do you guys tell your parents everything? No, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Um, but I know this happens. Um, so, but they did it. Chris and Matt went over and visited with them. I, I understand they gave them, you know, you know, told them about their experiences. It's serious business because usually when these things happen, the doctors will, tell, will ask you, well, do you want an abortion? Okay, they're going to say things like that. Um, and uh, you know, you're looking at, at uh, possibly life-changing uh, you know, your lifestyle is going to change, you know, if you have a, a, a baby with birth defects and, and, and all the rest of that. But, but Chris and Matt, you know, uh, did the same thing. I mean, they, they you, know, uh, with, you know, with Cheryl and Hi, they, I'm very proud of my daughter, you know that. So, but, but it has nothing to do with me. I didn't, you know, I didn't tell her to do anything. She just did it on her own. Didn't tell me about it, you know, that's normal. But, um, but, but, but um, of course, maybe the husband has something to do with it too, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. You can, you can tell this is on tape. <laughs> but, but, uh, um, but, but, uh, so they, so they are ministering to, um, to Sharon High. So, so this is kind of like the last example I wanted to give you about somebody going through affliction, hard times, or hard pressed, difficult times, and 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 somebody comes along and, and comforts them, uh, encourages them, uh, physical presence, encouraging words. Practical advice too, you know, um, and uh, um, so so they, these things happen. It's happened in this church already, and I, I know that you know some of you are probably doing that, and some of you are needing it. And at any one time, any of us can 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 be on either end of it. And like that example that Paul and the Thessalonians, it kind of flip flopped. He was he was both comforter as well as being uh, the afflicted one. And so so these things, um, all you know, the scriptures kind of give us a lot of the different scenarios of how it plays out. And uh, I think that's something that we, we can, you know, um, you know, keep in mind as we live our 
try to, you know, as we're living godly lives and we're doing ministry. And, um, and of course, the first circle is going to be the local church. So, so that's all I have to say. Uh, let's close with a word of prayer. Father God, we praise you for, for your wisdom in, in giving us your word. It teaches us so much, gives us so much insight if, if we spend the time in it. Uh, we thank you for it. We thank you for uh, letting us learn a little bit about comfort and affliction and, and our part in, in, in exercising this, all driven by love, that we should love you first and then to love one another. We thank you for this time that we can, we can just consider these thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen.